G'day there and welcome back to the show for another week, Jess here. And today I'm very excited to bring you an interview, a follow-up interview with my friend Amanda. I interviewed her here on the show a few months ago, just before she launched her shop on Etsy. And if you haven't already listened to that, you can go listen to episode 263 or watch it on YouTube. And we go through, you know, all the stuff she's going through just prior to launch today. I'm talking to her after her first launch and her second launch have completed. So she did amazingly well. I won't spoil it, but amazingly well in both launches. And so she talks about how she did it, how she built up anticipation, why her products are you know unique, her business model. Basically, it's one of a kind. So for you one of a kind makers out there, this is definitely an episode for you. But if you're not a one of a kind maker, you can still definitely take some takeaways from this. And uh, we go into all the detail about what she's learned along the way so far, what worked, what hasn't worked, some of her struggles and how she's overcome them. So it's a really uh, informative and enjoyable episode. We have a lot of fun. We've been friends for a very long time, so we're very comfortable (laughs) chatting together and uh, Amanda's great value, very, very funny person. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast again. This, I actually filmed it and uh, we did a better job this time. If you <laughs> if you watched the first one, it was my first video filmed for YouTube and it was not great. This time, it's much better. So if you do want to watch the video of this, it is available on my YouTube channel as well. Just head on over to youtube.com forward slash Jess Van Den. And hey, if you're not already subscribed over there, I highly recommend it because I make more videos than I do podcasts these days. So I'm, I'm putting out a lot more videos on handmade business topics that you're not necessarily hearing on the podcast. So if you're not following me over on YouTube, you're missing out on some of my free content. So please do go check that out. Make sure to subscribe, hit that notification bell if you want to make sure you see my video every single week. And, uh, you know, if you want to be reminded about this, then hop on my mailing list and I will send you an email once a week with a wrap up of everything that I've put out that week, my YouTube videos, my podcasts, anything else that's happening in my Create and Thrive world that will help you. And you can do that by going over to createandthrive.com forward slash start here, all one word, createandthrive.com forward slash start here. And uh, you'll get on my mailing list and get access to a whole bunch of free downloads that I have there available for you. If you've never checked those out before, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. So go and uh, sign up to my mailing list if you want to be notified every week of the podcast and the YouTubes and everything else that I'm, I'm putting out there. Uh, and if you're just a YouTube person as well, then head on over and subscribe youtube.com Jess Van Den slash Jess Van Den. <laughs> okay, let's get on with the interview. Oh no, wait, before we get on with the interview, I need to remember to tell you Set up shop is happening. Set up shop, my uh, e-course for makers, 30 day intensive e-course helps you set up or overhaul your online shop for your handmade goods. Over a thousand makers have used this system to set up their own online shops since 2013. I update the course every year. I run it twice a year and the second run of the course for 2021 is about to start on the 6th of September. So if you need help setting up an online shop or you've got one and it's just not going very well and you want to make sure you're doing everything right, head on over to greatandthrive.com forward slash setup shop and you can get on board right now. It's super affordable. 
I always kept it the same price. It is 85 Australian dollars plus GST if you're an Australian citizen or sorry, Australian resident. Uh, and it is approximately, I think I looked at the exchange rate the other day, that's something like 63 US dollars. So it's like super duper affordable because I want as many people to use this course as possible to get their businesses up and running. So if that is you, head on over to setupshop.createandthrive.com forward slash setupshop. I'm throwing all these links at you today. Uh, They will be in the show notes as well if you want to uh, scroll down to those and uh, you can click on all of those links. Okay, so let's get into this interview with my friend Amanda of Dream Forged Dice. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. So, let's get to it. Hello, hello, and welcome back. I'm here again with my friend Amanda for another episode of whatever this series is that we haven't named. Welcome. (laughs) I love that. It's very catchy. Whatever it is, it is. (laughs) It's the How is Amanda's Business Going series, basically, is what it is. (laughs) I'm happy to be your guinea pig. I know my talents, and that is to be small and slightly frightened and running around. You're doing a very good job of it. So I interviewed Amanda probably about two, three months ago now, uh, a few weeks before she launched her business, which is called Dreamforge Dice. And so I wanted to bring her back because that was a really interesting interview because we chatted before she launched about, you know, the fears around that and how she was feeling about it. So basically now we have the post-launch businesses running what is happening uh, and Frankly, you went amazingly well. So what happened when you opened your business and how did you open it? What what was the strategy? What was the plan? Oh my gosh, it sounds far more organized than it actually was. Um, I uh, So the last time we chatted, I was partway through the uh, setup shop process and was going hammer and tongs with that. It was a month. Um, yep. I was doing some acting duties at work as well. Not sure I would do that combo again. It was a little bit intense, but I wanted to just pull the trigger on launching my shop. So I went hard with um, sharing my information and building my presence on Instagram. And in the end, I decided to go with an Etsy shop uh, just for ease and simplicity, because realistically, this is a side hustle to buy fixtures so I can make more dice um, <laughs> rather than me trying to turn this into world domination. Uh, yeah, so it was a slow build. I spent the month kind of madly uh, undertaking all the classes, typing up the text, taking beautiful photos um, and promoting and then launched on a Saturday morning full of fear and, may I say, a whisper of terror. <laughs> so, okay, let's just quickly backtrack when you say promoting, what was your plan? What were you doing to promote your business in the lead up to the launch? Sure. So in uh, February, we did the Pinterest challenge, not Pinterest. Wow, I'm stuck in July. We did the Instagram challenge through Create and Thrive. So on the Thrivers Circle, everybody was getting in the groove just to see what would happen with Instagram stats, posting every day. And I actually found that worked like crazy well, like really, really, really well. 
and I ended up um, getting really nice momentum and engagement. So I started setting up um, unintentionally over the month, created a particular aesthetic that I was developing in my feed and I started getting really good engagement with folks. So I continued just posting every day in the lead up to my business. Uh, I, uh, my business launch, I should say. <laughs> um, a month, uh, sorry, a week before, I actually also cracked 500 followers, which was very exciting for me. So I did a little giveaway of a dice, which coincided with my launch, which I had uh, acknowledged two days earlier. And I saw really amazing engagement with that as well. So it started to build up some hype. And I also included some sharing requirements in that. And people were very forthcoming and excited to do that. And so by the time my launch happened, it seemed there was a, like a lot of really goodwill and people excited to see what was going to be in my shop. Okay, well, that's really awesome. So when you say, so we did the Instagram challenge in the Thrive Circle and so you were using your new Dreamforge Dice account for that because mm -hmm. you have your old uh, account as well, which is quite popular. Mm -hmm. um, so Dreamforge Dice, how did you how did you kind of connect with the Dice community? Did you use specific hashtags? Did you actually like reshare other people's or comment on other people's? Like what was the strategy there? Sure. Uh, so with that one, I kind of a couple of things just from I've been I realized the other week when I got interviewed for ABC to talk about Instagram and sewing, I'm like, oh, I've been on Instagram for a solid 10 years now. So I've got a pretty good feel of how it goes to engage with the community. So I wanted to have a very clear aesthetic. I think um, it doesn't mean all your shots need to be the same, but when you look at somebody's feed, you know who it is. So I kind of, over the month, I tinkered with that. In addition, I'm just very social and I like engaging with people and Instagram is a good time sink, especially when it's cold and I don't want to leave the house. So <laughs> I spent a lot of time uh, engaging with other people's posts who I thought are really amazing artists and would reshare their work in my stories. It's quick and easy. It's also a lovely signal boost for people, especially mm -hmm. if it's uh, folks who may not have as many followers as you. Uh, and I'd always make sure I would tag them and also explain why I liked what they did. So I've noticed that some folks like to reshare or forward on people's images in their feeds, uh, sorry, in their stories, but it'd just be like a repost of a dice. And that's, to me, isn't, uh, I think what makes it special is when it's like, oh my God, I love, you know, great work, Jeff. I love your use of color in this or something. So it's a little bit more meaningful and it also directs people back to that particular maker. So mm. I ended up building lots of really good relationships through that. Um, I'm also an avid hashtag user. So I tinkered around with lots of different hashtags. And in particular, a great one was Aussie Dice Makers because I started to find all these amazing artists I didn't know. But it also was really helpful because a lot of the people who have purchased my dice actually are from Australia and are looking for Aussie Dice Makers. So that was a really great way to get the word out and kind of start building the hype. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm just so impressed by the job you did on Instagram because that was pretty much your only marketing channel as far as I could see um, sort of driving traffic for your launch and subsequent launch because you've had two now and yeah so you just did an amazing job of building that hype beforehand 
I think that's something some people try to do and find it difficult. Do you think there's something unique about the dice community being a little bit more supportive and less competitive perhaps than some other niches might be? I think so. I find the dice community really supportive uh, and it's interesting because there's a lot of great Facebook groups that run that are for dice makers and it's about sharing techniques and sharing knowledge and it all comes down to you can use a particular technique, you can try this thing but in the end it'll always be your twist off whatever the technique is Mm -hmm. and it's just really inclusive and it's a lot of um, people lifting each other up so it's just been really delightful in saying that I also think there's just it's how you're willing to engage with communities because I actually find the sewing communities really like that as well Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if that is maybe it's the way I interact with people I don't know but it, it seems to be very positive and very inclusive and lifting each other up which I really love mm. yeah that's really really nice because you you know you're sharing work that other you know technically your competitors I guess but still you know you're all supporting each other and sort of learning from each other and I think we could all take something away from that uh in the craft community and if we could all do more of that it would be really really great how did you do you find that um, are other dice makers your customers as well or is it more players who have found you via these other dice makers or via some other hashtag that you uh, have been using? So there are a couple of dice makers that have bought from me, which was actually a stealthy surprise because I know everybody, it's a bit like playing roller derby. I don't know your real name, but I know your handle. Um, <laughs> and so, so recently I was talking to somebody in Australia. We just kind of messaged back and forth about some technique or such. And then she's like, oh, and this, and I love this dice for you. And I'm like, I did not realize you had purchased from me. And then I got really anxious about it. <laughs> um which is hilarious because that was like two months ago. And it's like, if there was an issue, I'm sure she would have flagged it at this point. Um, but I've got quite a few D&D players, but there's definitely a couple of um, dice makers as well who have purchased, which has just been absolutely wonderful and really heartening because I'm still terrified that somebody's going to send a really salty message about something they bought from me. That terror has not gone away. No, and it probably won't go away. I think we all have that. I, I mean, I've been selling my work since 2008 and it's still occasionally you'll get someone who's not happy for whatever reason and, you know, you have to deal with it. Yep. <laughs> it's almost, I think it's almost better when you get the first one because then, okay, it's happened now. It's like, like the, first, the first bad review or whatever, you know, other it doesn't happen very often, and I'm sure for you it won't happen very often. All your reviews have been amazing that I've seen uh, on your site. Okay, so that's kind of the marketing you did to lead up to it. What were, before we kind of talk about the success of your launch, which was amazing, uh, we'll kind of get, I'll get you to tell the story. Um, what were the big things you think that you did beforehand to, with the setup that made the biggest difference or that worked really well? Ooh. Okay, so there was like, I'm just going to be frank, I think we talked like two weeks or something before I launched. So there was like just a, I'm a very anxious person. You know this best. I'm just putting it out there. So there was like just a a foundational level of fear the whole time. Um, (laughs) Look, I could pretend otherwise, but we all know. Uh, 
So Setup Shop was really good for me because it like it took me through every single step. The big things for me that I found were a time, not a time sink, that's a wrong way of looking at it. There was a time investment um, was definitely photography and editing. I thought I was all on it and I was like, yeah, I know what people want and how to take good photos and I took them all and I edited them and because I'm lazy, I did it all on my phone with a macro lens and then I went to load it up to Etsy and I had cropped them all too much and then deleted the original files because I ran out of room and then I had to retake all no. the like, <laughs> And I was working really ridiculous hours and my room gets the best light between like 4 and 5.20 and I couldn't get home before 6.30 and I'm just like, what is happening? Anyway, so my launch was on Sunday morning. I had to redo nearly all of my photographs of like 20 sets and pieces, which included every gosh darn dice. Um, Saturday afternoon. I no. cried. Oh I God, it that's was terrible. so bad. Um, but so Setup Shop was really great because it's like these are the kind of things you want to look for. It was really helpful. Um, I got into, I'm really proud of how my little Etsy shop looks. I like my little story. I like my, um, I, I think my product descriptions are pretty good. And with dice making, I want to be able to talk to people about, you know, if you buy this dice, there might be a small mold mark on this face. Like it's quite detailed. And I think my product descriptions were really good and Setup Shop was really helpful for that. Uh, the only thing I wish I'd dived a little more into was uh, the systems stuff because I, I set up my systems pretty well and there's a week that's like just digging into that. But at that point, I was just really tired and I was like, I'll get to it, I promise. And then I didn't get to it till afterwards and I was like, you made a mistake. <laughs> that's okay. We can't do everything perfect from the beginning. Whew. Learning journey. It's a learning curve, definitely a learning curve. Okay, so I remember also um, you were a bit worried about your pricing. How did that pan out in the end? Okay, so um, I hemmed and hawed about pricing a lot and it still causes me great distress. Um, I did have, I was talking to one of the girls at work um, a couple of days before I launched and I was like, oh, you know, blah, 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 I'm putting it up, I'm doing a sale, da, 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 da. And then she just looked at me and was like, my friend, dice are a luxury item. You need to charge luxury prices for a luxury item. And I know this was like, this comes up in pricing all the time, but there was just something about the fact that I think in my head, I was always like, dice aren't a luxury item, like a beautiful piece of ceramics, luxury item. Mm -hmm. um, some lovely jewelry, luxury item. A piece of resin that you throw while drinking beers and eating chips with your friends. Not luxury. Um, but I, I don't know why, but that was kind of like, uh, oh, you're right. And so I did go in and I pushed up all my prices 10 bucks, which is not a lot, but for me felt like a lot. And mm. I still was terrified I was overcharging. Um, and that was really stressful because I didn't think anything was going to sell, in all honesty. Um, and for my second shop launch, I actually then pushed all my prices up again, another 10 bucks across the board. Awesome. Um, so, you know, I'm slow and steady. I'm, 
I think I, I, I'm confident I'm undervaluing my work, but I'm just, you know, I'm moving it at a pace that I'm comfortable with. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you, you kind of went for that slightly higher price the first time around. And I'm also extra glad to hear that you put up the second time around because you did so well the first time around. So take us on a journey. Tell us what happened on launch day. Oh, it was quite the journey. Stayed up a little late editing some photos and listings. Um, and then, so I want you to imagine it's Canberra. It's nine o'clock. I've drafted my launch Instagram post. I've got it all sitting there, my little fingers hovering. I've got all my Etsy listings up and ready to click go. And then it like clicked over to nine o'clock and I was starting to freak out. And my husband's like, I'll be awake to cheer you on. He was asleep with my dog and cat. And like, Fine, I'm doing this solo. And I clicked the little button. And then I like, at the same time, it was hilarious. So I had like my phone, I clicked the button. I clicked the like, story announcement in Instagram and I'm like go and then I don't know what I expected to happen but I was like oh I'll take like a screenshot of my shop with zero sales and and then when I get one I'll take a screenshot and I turned on the little Etsy thing to hear the cha-ching noise and then like three minutes and nothing happened and I was like oh. and then I jumped on Instagram and someone's like hello is there anything in your shop nothing's there and I'm like <laughs> no there's like 20 items there's things in there and they're like no they can't see anything and then I like go back to Etsy and it's like on the the shop manager page like it's all loaded it's all good I'm like cool 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 and then I'm like I'll just have a look at the shop view and just look at all my pretty items and I click on it and there's literally nothing in my shop and I'm like <laughs> oh my God, what is happening? And I'm just like, oh. And anyway, another person on Instagram's like, oh, hi, just wondering when you're launching things. I'm like, oh. Anyway, so then I'm like madly Googling and I'm like, have I broken my Etsy shop? Anyway, they're like, oh, it'll just take a minute or two to load. Anyway, at this point, it's like six minutes past. And then I realized like if I typed pink, then I could see all the pink dice, but the, my shop was still empty. And at this point I was freaking out and I'm like, back on Instagram like I'm just looking into it I'm not sure what's happening and I'm like do not cry do not cry and then all of a sudden within like 20 seconds I had three sales come through like boom gone and so I went to take like my little I've made one sale screenshot and then it just kind of went off like a frog in a sock and then I'm not ashamed to admit it because I have big feelings I'm not ashamed of them I cried a bunch because I was like I can't believe people are paying money for things that this chump made like so the sale went bonkers um it was absolutely bonkers I listed well I listed 23 items it should have been 22 I accidentally duplicated a listing that was a little bit stressful because <laughs> they're all one of a kind um and accidentally sold a set of dust twice. Um, but everything kind of went... was to my husband, I believe. Yes, he got them the first time. And then, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so bad. So like most, like I'd say I probably cleared 16 or 17 items in the first like 45 minutes. It was just mind blowing. And then I decided I wanted to go buy myself some breakfast cake because I was shaking at that point. And I was meeting my friend for breakfast 
and to have breakfast cake. So I went and got breakfast cake with her and a few more sales came through while I'm eating said cake for breakfast. And I get out to my car and then I see this order and I'm like, hold on, I've sold that because I sold that to Nick. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, what happened? And then I realized I duplicated. Anyway, I got in touch with her. She's a gem. I offered her a few options and she's like, no, I'll happily wait while you make me another set. And I'm like, okay. Um, but then the rest of my dice just steadily sold over that day, uh, except for one set of dice that every time I got a sale, I started freaking out they had been sold. So I actually removed them from sale. <laughs> They're so beautiful. They're, I My only regret is I let the really big one go. It had a matching chonky one. Um, they... So in the end, I sold out of 23 sets and chunks, uh, 22 within 12 hours. So That's amazing. Like, I was so happy for you when I saw, like, I just kept checking on your shop and seeing that they were selling and selling. And I was like, oh, my God, she's doing amazing. This is fantastic. Um, yeah. So I was so pleased for you when that happened. And basically, you had another launch just I don't know, a week or two ago now, I think, and you sold almost all of those again. Yeah. So I so I had my sale. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I thought I was super smug because I, um, I had ordered my little cardboard boxes and I had little stickers made and I'd made up all my little bags to put my dices in and I had my little bags to put the shipping labels on. So I thought I was organised. Packing takes forever. <laughs> not let anybody, anybody tell you it does not. I was up till 11.30 packing those gosh darn orders. I was like, it's only going to take like 40 minutes. Three hours. <laughs> but it was great. I got them all out the door and then I just kind of went into hibernation. It was like, a, you know, when you... It's a teaching thing. Like I used to teach through the term and things would be super, super intense and I would be fine. My body would hold it together and the school holidays would happen and I'd crash and get a head cold every term without fail. This felt like this. I was like, run, 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 run. Got my shop sale done. And then I was just like, oh, I got nothing in my tank. So I kind of took a little bit of a step back and I was doing the acting job at work. So I took a couple of months off like hardcore dice making and I was really worried because I had my second shop opening uh, a fortnight ago and I had chilled off. I was still on Instagram sharing people's work and mm -hmm. sharing my own work, but uh, uh, less regularly. Um, and until maybe a fortnight before I reopened my shop, I was it was kind of only a couple of times a week. And then in that kind of fortnight leading up to it, I did a daily um, shop like a Instagram post and mm -hmm. also changed the style of my photos for that to kind of just make it clear that was a different um, shop launch. It just kind of differentiated it for me. And I was really freaking out because I'm like, I've put my prices up another $10. I also added um, some training wheel sets, which were some of my early sets, um, which were priced lower, mm -hmm. um, had, had, a few more flaws or quirks than my current set. So I was like, I don't know if anybody will want these. And I think I put up 35 items for sale. So I think I think it was about 16 sets and 16 
chunks. Yeah, there were 35 altogether. Um, and then I did another Sunday morning and I thought, I'll see how it goes. And I sold like 30 of them on the first day, which was boggling. And Etsy did me dirty again. Did me dirty again. This time it took nine minutes for everything to load. And I had so many Instagram DMs. It completely... <laughs> It was so stressful. It was so much worse than the first one because even in the launch post, I'm like, Etsy will take a minute or two. And it was nine minutes past nine when they finally started showing up in the shop and I was freaking out. <laughs> but you have all this, like, excitement from people and then they're like, "Is it? when's it happening? So they're, like, really – you're basically accidentally training your audience that they really have to be on the ball <sighs> and be there at the time, otherwise they're going to miss out. So that's kind of – you know, it's scarcity. It's a marketing tactic inadvertently. Sure, sure. It's not at all like dodgy servers or anything. <laughs> um, it was so bad because literally my DMs were like, because I had my sound turned on because I just wanted to hear the little cha-ching sound because I'm a shallow person who likes a cha-ching sound. But instead it was like the Instagram thing and I ended up having, like typing out this message and I was just cutting and pasting. It's like, Thank you so much. Something's happening with Etsy. It's there. You can try searching by color. And then people are like, I really wanted this set and I've been on this since five to nine. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I don't know. But I'd like to say, did not accidentally double list anything this time. So well done. <laughs> and because I realized how much I hate packing, I was ahead of the game and I had pre-made all my boxes. I had pre-made all my cards and tucked them in. I'd packed all my little like bits of shred and my cup, my little tea and my Biscoff biscuit and had all the little packets out. Only took two hours for double the amount. <laughs> so you get faster every time. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, I, I want to make the point um, for those who are watching and listening to this that one of the reasons this <clears throat> strategy that Amanda's using is so successful is because she pretty much has one-of-kind items. So every one of her um, dice sets or, or chunky dice is a one-of-a-kind. So people have to get in, and if they want that item, they have to get be there, get it, make sure they're the one who buys it. So at this point in time, you, you're really working strongly into that, that launch strategy, one-of-a-kind um, marketing strategy, which can work amazingly well for people like you who do sell one-of-a-kind items because you build up that you build up that anticipation beforehand, you share photos of all the products beforehand so people know what's coming and they can kind of basically fall in love with one of your pieces and sort of stalk you, you know, stalk your shop for when it opens and then hopefully get the piece. So that particular strategy uh, is is always going to be more successful for those of you who do have one of a kind. If you're moving more into the reproducible, you don't have that um, urgency factor. So you might not find this, you know, the launch sort of style Amanda's experiencing, you might not find that happens for you because people aren't pressured into, if I don't get it now, I miss out. Now, have you been thinking at all about going down the reproducible road at this point? Or are you still just, I'm enjoying making this stuff. I'm just going to sell what I make and sort of see what happens. Look, you know me, I have the attention span of a flea. Um, so, you know, we'll see We'll see where I sit next week. Uh, there are some particular styles that I really love, that folks seem to love. So this is unpolished and un, um, uninked, but these kind of, well, 
like very extra, lots of sparkly, lots going on. They're the ones that were like the first sold in both launches okay. I've done, um, which were phenomenal. And so I actually quite, they're labor intensive, but I really do enjoy making them. So I was thinking about trying like to see if I can reproduce these at all. I wouldn't do it as a regular thing, but the style is fun to play with. But the idea of like just doing standard reproducible items, this is fun for me. I enjoy tinkering, so it's not something I'm super keen on. Yeah, because at this point you're not planning on making this a full-time business in Ooh, like a full-time income. Uh, you know, if you if you did want to do that, it might be wise to go down that path so that you can sell like those reproducible designs, maybe at a slightly lower price point and have the one-of-a-kinds at a slightly higher price point. Um, so you have that balance of, you know, people love this style, then they can definitely buy it. Uh, so that might be something for those of you who are in that situation who do want to make more money out of it or who aren't just doing it sort of as a side hustle for fun that might be something you want to perhaps incorporate into your into your strategy of your business okay so i wanted to know kind of what was the biggest lesson you've learnt during this process so far like what's the sort of thing that has really struck you about this whole setting up and run, and starting a business thing oh okay um, biggest things that I have learned. Okay. So firstly, uh, something is going to go wrong. So just do the thing. Okay. <laughs> um, like, let, let's just be real. I'm a complete perfectionist. I like to tick every box. I like to make sure my font sizes are the same. Everything's consistent. I am a complete nerd for that stuff. And for a long time, that was super holding me back from actually doing the thing and selling the product. And I thought I had everything locked down. I was feeling so smug. And then, of course, things went wrong. And in the end, it didn't matter. It just did not matter at all. You can work it out. So just do the thing mm -hmm. um, and just get it done. Because at the end, I think it's for me, I've been fussing and doubting myself for so long and I just had to back myself and get it done. So yeah. that was my first thing. I'm going to be sneaky and do three. Um, <laughs> okay, so number two, if you are just a hobbyist, if you're feeling a bit anxious, you don't know where to go, just drink the Etsy Kool-Aid and get in on it. Um, I am not... I. I feel like I need to say this is not hashtag SponCon. It is just um, a simple lady trying to sell a few things for a few dollars to buy more dice supplies. But Etsy was just super easy to use and wonderful. Um, and it just, even I could do it. And anything that I got stuck on, I could just Google really easily. And so many people use it. There was lots of help there. And the whole process actually was easy. I think that if I was doing this as um, something more than a side hustle, I would probably look at other options. But for me, it was perfect and it felt like a really supportive way to go. Um, so get in on it, see if you're not sure where to start. And finally, don't be a jerk. <laughs> I could probably say that in a nicer way. But um, just be excellent, you know. Things went wrong. Be excellent to each other. Isn't that what Bill and Ted always used to say? Right. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember. It's like wild stallions. Um, but it is. It is truly be excellent to each other. I One of the things I found really lovely is um, in most of the feedback I've gotten from people, it's actually mentioned 
like just how lovely it has been um, like communicating with me mm -hmm. and the level of service. And that actually has meant a lot. Um, I, there was, there's been a huge bunch of things that went wrong and every time I've just tried to approach it with, this was my fault, there's no excuse for it, here's some solutions, you let me know what's best because I want you to have a good experience. And I think if you approach things by not being a jerk, um, people will respond. And it's also those like little personal touches that build a, make, it, it builds an ongoing relationship. And one of the coolest things for me was I didn't ever expect people to want to have more than one thing that I have made, but I actually had a number of repeat customers and it made my year. Where people are like, oh, we love what you're doing and you're, a, you're an excellent person. We want to support you. And I'm like, if you'll excuse me. <laughs> also an ugly cry gift. It's amazing. But it is, it, it is truly lovely. So I think, yeah, do the thing. Let's see if you're stuck. Don't be a jerk rules to live by i like it yeah and it's so true like some, one of the nicest things about a handmade business is that personal relationship with people um i love yeah having people come back again being repeat customers is really lovely um i also get a lot of people who are like ah, oh, i've lost my wedding ring i'd like to get another one from you because i loved it so much <laughs> that happens a lot more than you would expect <laughs> Usually guys, no shade, but, you know, usually because they're not used to wearing rings and they usually get a size too big. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's always really lovely when people are like, I really love what you made for me and I want another one or, or something similar. So that's a lovely experience to have for sure. Um, okay, so what's next for you? What, what's what's on the horizon? Are you going to sort of just keep going the way you're going? Is there something new that you're going to do or experiment with? I know you mentioned about maybe doing some different colorways with that sort of particular style you're developing. Uh, so I'm going to keep it as a side hustle at a very much, as I said before, like at my own pace. So I will make things when I have time and they will be wonderful. However, um, I have really loved seeing people's um, doing almost like themes or collections. And I have my like super extra fun dice, which I love and people are going bonkers for. But I do tend to make them in blue, green, purple, um, and of course my dice are also pink. Um, <laughs> so it, I thought it'd be really nice to try something like this and try different colour combos to challenge myself. Makes it kind of reproducible but also not reproducible mm -hmm. um, but still gives me a little bit of fun. So I'm really excited to give that a go. And I'm just going to, I think, keep doing what I'm doing. I thought about, you know, there's a huge dice market on the TikToks where the youths are. And I thought about it. And in the end, I just don't have the time for that. Mm. Like I'm, I know this is not a, a tactical way to go about your marketing or whatnot, mm. but I'm just going to stick to Instagram. I'm going to stick to Etsy at the moment. I am going to stick to making things and selling them when I've got enough. And I'm not going to put any artificial pressure on myself because at the moment, this is such a fabulous way to support my dice making and I want to hate it. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing in my groove. You would be particularly good on TikTok, I have to say. You've got the right vibe for it. I think you mean awkward. Mm, yeah, but it's entertaining. You are a drama teacher in a past life. <laughs> yes, Jess. Some of us are born for it. <laughs> yes. 
I'm not that person. Um, <laughs> he says, I've seen you at a murder mystery party, girl. <laughs> uh, good old sheet togas. Can't go past them. Look, um, the accents are pretty flawless. That was hilarious. Uh, I do believe you also have uh, dice bags in the offing, perhaps, if you... Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, something reproducible, maybe, possibly. It feels like it could be an easy win because I do enjoy a little sew. Um, and I have some lovely fabrics. So I think what I've really enjoyed about making dice is kind of I saw myself as my ideal customer, which I know is not like the way one should go about it, but I truly it think there be. are... Look, it's worked for me. I found yeah. my people, um, which is... <laughs> Easier if that's the case, to be honest. So much. Uh, <laughs> I'm so self-involved. I don't want to put myself in other shoes. Oh. Um, but m my kind of aesthetic is more is more, but not in a high fantasy way. Yeah. And still kind of minimal. It works. It's a vibe. Just trust me on it. Um, so one thing I've noticed, there are some gorgeous, stunning dice bags out there and amazing designs, but the the ones with, like, fabrics that I vibe with are few and far between, but then I went to Spoonflower. <sighs> so, yes, it's still nerdy, but it's, like, not high fantasy nerdy and the colours mm -hmm. are fun and a little pop arty. So I'm thinking about maybe making some dice bags because I have those mad skills. Um mm -hmm. But we'll see, you know, because I also have my I don't sew for other people rule and I do not want to sell my sewing, Jessica. Um, so we'll see. Uh, so I'm thinking about doing some dice bags because I already do like a little dice pouch that goes in with my packaging. Yeah. But you don't have to sew clothes for other people. Yeah, true. Dice bags are interchangeable. It doesn't matter. Sizes are all the same. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I've been on a weird sewing cutting out rampage the last fortnight and cut out 13 garments to make. So wow. We'll just see. There's a pile over in the corner. It's out of <laughs> Amazing. Um, um, for those who also enjoy sewing, you can check out Amanda's amazing sewing blog and Instagram at Bimble and Pimble on Instagram at Bimble and Pimble. Thank you. Yes. So I'm living in stories. Out. <laughs> I, I'm just hanging out in stories at the moment. Okay, cool. I don't know why. Sometimes I go through weird fixations. So I roll. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm thinking about maybe overlapping the dice making mm -hmm. and the sewing. But we'll see because this beautiful custom print fabric is not cheap, um, mm -hmm. and I would want it. I'm just having a revelation live here on camera where I actually think I would feel more comfortable with like hard lining prices when it comes to sewing as opposed to dice. Whoa. Mm. I was just like, oh, I'd have to pay. A, people would need to pay a decent amount. I know what my sewing time is worth. That's it because you've got the experience. You've been doing it for so long. <laughs> and you value your skill in that realm. I'm, I'm completely having a moment here. This is, <laughs> wow. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Anyway, we didn't need to have that live. Here's what we're doing, though. Um, <laughs> Got to sit quietly. This just got a little deep. It's good. I mean, this is the thing I think a lot of newbies struggle with is valuing themselves. Uh, even people who've been doing it for a long time. 
is the, I mean, I had this um, I had this moment the other night. I'm in the, I'm in this um so I'm in this uh, um, business women's group. Then we meet up in person once a month, and uh, this one lady came along, and I actually had seen her at a my, our local market. Uh, she has another business, which is why she's in the business group, but she's just started making these like pet portraits out of like cardboard and stuff. Right. Yeah. I talked to you about this and she was selling them for like $15. And I just said, they should be like 50 to a hundred dollars minimum. And she, her, her face, like her mind exploded at that possibility that you would charge. She, she literally could not accept that she would charge that much for these things that she had created. And shout out if you do happen to watch this video, you know who you are. <laughs> but the rest of the, the other lady and I who were there were like just trying to convince her, yes, like this is worth so much more than you're charging for it because it was a hobby thing to her. Like, you know, she she knows how long it takes her to do it. She doesn't feel like it's particularly highly skilled, you know. And so she just doesn't value her her work and her time. And then because Amanda had sent me a gift for my 40th, which was a beautiful um, collage artwork of my beloved uh dearly departed cat gobolino and so i i just i, I was literally at the dining table at the, the restaurant and i texted amanda and i'm like do you mind telling me how much you paid for that so i can just show her how much you you know the picture of it i had and then show her how much and she was absolutely floored like it was a couple hundred dollars she was floored that you know that people could could charge that and i'm like but you're making a custom portrait of somebody's pet People love this stuff. Like it's, you know, you can charge more because it's it's a special custom item. It doesn't matter how long it takes you to make. It doesn't matter how much materials they, the materials cost. Like she had in that that in her head. Like the materials only cost this much. Uh, you know, it takes me this much time to make. I can only literally charge that much money, like to just cover my costs. So this is a big problem a lot of beginner makers and crafters have. And I feel like I spent half my life trying to convince people know that you're worth more than that. So it was really nice to see you have that realization because you know that you're worth more. It just, yeah, it's weird because I think I this has been posed to me so many times sewing over the years. If I had a dollar do for every time somebody's like, can you sew this for me? Do you take commissions? Would you make this custom? Um, lovely, it's flattering, but it's also just in my head I'm like, I earn X amount of dollars doing my public service job, which is very intense, if I were to charge my hourly rate to make you something, yet for some reason making these shiny click clacks, I'm having trouble. We're just working through some things here, Jess. We're just going with it. But it's like I almost feel fraudulent. Like I don't feel like a fraud in the sewing world anymore. Yeah. I know where my skill set is. I'm intermediate. I'm cool with that. But I still feel like a complete numpty here. Yet I've been doing this for several years. Yeah. So it's that imposter syndrome. Yes. Mm. which yeah. so many people struggle with so yeah mm. it's a huge issue especially in the craft community uh because frankly we're dominated by women and women tend to undervalue ourselves we have been you know by society sort of trained into undervaluing ourselves so we don't want to do that because we're worth it as that old commercial says <laughs> i was just thinking isn't that like an atom like because i know it's terrible like you just can't unhear it now you're like because i'm worth it but yeah anyway i need to have my hair down to like flick. <laughs> the although i'll just flick my earrings <laughs> we are awesome um thank you amanda for coming on and uh sharing your journey with us it's been awesome to catch up 
And uh, if you would like to hear more, if you'd like Amanda to come back in the future and share with us again, let me know if you're watching the video. Let me know in the comments. I can't remember if I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Let me know in the comments. <laughs> if you're listening on the podcast, shoot me a DM or something on Instagram at Create and Thrive. Let me know if you enjoyed this episode. Amanda, it's been awesome. Bam, I'm so proud of you and what you've achieved. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you so much, Bess. It is so lovely to come chat with you. And also, thanks, everybody, for watching. Bye. Bye. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that one. I certainly had fun recording it. And uh, if you do want to join me and do what Amanda did, work your way through Setup Shop, get your shop up and running, you can do so. Head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash setup shop. That's all one word, createandthrive.com forward slash setup shop. And you can get access to the course right now. Uh, Enrollments close on Sunday, the 5th of September, Australian time at 3 p.m. If you are in America or Canada, that's like going to be probably Saturday night your time. So don't miss it. Uh, Make sure to head on over there now. Check it out. See if you'd like to join us for the course. I'd really love to help you, you know, set up that online shop that you've been dreaming of or overhaul the shop you already have. And it doesn't matter what platform. Amanda used Etsy, but you can use Shopify, WooCommerce, Squarespace. It's not a tech course, although I do actually give you a lesson showing you how to set up the tech if you want to use one particular way of doing things. But uh, come and join us. You can use any platform you like but it's a system to make sure you're doing all the right things. Okay, cool. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this, please do share it. Take a screenshot, share it in your Instagram stories, tag me at Create and Thrive. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send me a DM as well and let me know what you thought of the show. I'll be back again soon with another episode. Bye for now.